Today, I sit down with Baz Senesi. Baz has an interesting background and something that I was drawn to. He worked his way up from an account executive to an SDR manager at Intuit, and then compounded his growth by taking that experience and heading over to Fundbox, where he has launched a very, very successful career, where he has risen up the ranks from AE to VP of Sales and Operations, and now to Strategic Advisor. Baz is your people leader's people leader. He loves working, coaching, managing folks, and he gives tons of insight into how folks can best set themselves up for a successful career in sales. Baz is someone who doesn't take himself too seriously and is also dead set on building great teams. I know you're going to enjoy this episode of How I Sell. Let's jump in. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, welcome back to How I Sell. Today, we are here with a phenomenal guest, Mr. Baz Senezi. Baz has spent a lot of time as a sales leader, a strategic advisor, and currently he's at Funbox, where he has led sales and operations and has also become a strategic advisor there as well. Baz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we jump into our five questions that we ask all our guests on How I Sell Season 2, why don't you tell me who is Baz Senezi? Man, where do I start? I think you you hit on a lot of points about me professionally. Personally, I like to think of myself as a people leader. Um, I love working with people and getting you know people to, to be their best version. It's a lot of work, I think, about inspiring talent to like reach its full potential much more so than managing people to do a job. And, you know, that's what really I think has defined my career and the success I've had in that career, being able to understand what motivates people and working with them to unlock their true potential. When I'm not doing all that stuff, and if I wasn't spending all of my time and energy in tech, you'd find me probably sharing way too much information about my love for wine with anybody who's willing to hear it. And hopefully someday uh, find me trudging through a vineyard when I finally make it big uh, after Funbox's success and exit in the long run, uh, that's that's where I want the world to take me. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, we'll have to have you on the Ramped Offshoot Wine Podcast when we make it big <laughs> as well. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. So let's dive in. As a reminder to our audience, we are asking our guests on season two the same five questions to get an apples to apples comparison on what it's like to come up through the ranks as a sales leader. So question one, Baz, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves? Very interesting question. My gut reaction to that is to figure out how to align their individual personal success with the company's success in a way that ultimately makes the time investment they make in the company better their career. So what I mean by that, right, is like figure out what's motivating the company, figure out what you want, find a way to help the company get to what they want in a way that leads the company to give back to you in the form of career growth and career development. It's not about, I think, solving for like what I want. It's solving for what skills do I want to develop and how can I put those skills in service of the company and surrounding yourself with people who can help teach you those skills. So I think if I if I summarize that a little bit more clearly, it's surround yourself with leaders and surround yourself with a boss who 
can figure out what skills will help you get to the next rung of your career that you care to go and who will figure out how to open the right doors for you and teach you the right degree of skills or pair you with the right people who can teach you those skills so that you can just develop a much deeper skill set and have that ultimately translate to career advancement. Nice. I like it. Very, uh, very thorough explanation. I have a question off that. You know, a lot of times when folks enter in their career, they don't know how to evaluate who's going to actually help them and who's just going to be a leader to tell them what to do. So how do you go about even evaluating or thinking about it? Yeah, I think it depends on every company, but there's a few principles that I think are always true. Some people are clearly successful in their roles. Surround yourself with them, right? You never want to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, it's really good to be the dumbest person in the room because you'll get to learn a whole bunch from the people that are around you. So seek out the people who are winning at whatever it is that they're doing professionally and find ways to learn from them. You know, whoever is at the top of the dashboard is probably a good person to ask the question of how are you, how are you successful, uh, you know, in, in the role that we're, we're both sharing? I think that's one. I think the other part, right, is I personally value diversity of opinion quite a bit. And I don't want to know like the one way to succeed. I want to know how different people who see problems differently come with come up with different solutions to the same problem. And ultimately, hopefully both those solutions are successful. So I don't look for just one person. I look for multiple people who are having success with specific emphasis on trying to figure out the different things that are making them each individually successful. And then ultimately kind of borrowing the best of all those different things, right? And and building your own playbook from that. Yep. Love it. Love it. Diversity of thought and uh, in sales, it, it is pretty easy to identify that person. It's just check check that top of the leaderboard and you'll, you'll find somebody. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, question number two, what is the biggest surprise you experienced early in your career? So it's a few things. I, when I came up through the ranks of sales, I was an SMB sales, SMB SaaS specifically. And I think there was this like, this preconceived notion I had that success in a sales career meant that you focused on selling more and more expensive stuff. And as you grow up in, in your career, you move into mid market and then you move into enterprise, right? Candidly, like the bigger the deal, the bigger the commission, the bigger the commission, the more the responsibility, so on and so forth. And so that felt like the natural trajectory. That might have been true for a long time. I think that's really changed in the past decade and really in the past five years or so with the um, kind of coming onto the scene of this like new buzzword revenue operations. And I think really like what it, it's meant with respect to that specific question is actually small deals are a lot harder to monetize and to build a business around. And companies that can figure out how to sell correctly to SMB are unlocking a massive market opportunity and can become very, very successful large companies. But the skill set required to build sales engines that can profitably, um, scalably, and repeatedly sell into those segments is actually a lot harder to figure out than selling million-dollar deals, uh, you know, twice a quarter. And so, while as an individual contributor, the you know old adage might still be true that the way to further your career is to sell more expensive stuff. I think as a leader, actually. Companies who sell into SMB are putting a premium on solving those problems and are willing to attract some really, really good quality talent um, and compensate accordingly. Because again, getting those questions, getting the right answers to the questions of selling into SMB is, is a very, very expensive question and a very well worth solving question. And so I think that to me, that myth has been somewhat dispelled in the past decade. I want to build my career and my brand around being the guy who helps companies figure out how to sell the unsellable. That's SMB sales. It's the really hard stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very good advice. Something that you wouldn't 
get slapped in the face with, obviously, when you're coming out of school, too, which is a lot of things that we focus on in this podcast is like, let's just break down the harsh realities. And I think I think that's one of them is is uh, is, is pretty much what you touched on there. So question three, what's one mistake that you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? And how did it shape you? Interesting question. I think kind of cliche. But the one thing that, you know, time uh, that, that you that money really can't buy is is time and experience, right? You don't know what mistakes you've made until you've made them and learned lessons from them. And then you know not to make them again. Yep. Um, I think when you've kind of like seen the story play out, you have a lot more patience for the stuff that takes longer to, to happen. And so you end up like thinking longer term in general, because like you've been around the block, you've seen around the corner of like bad decisions in the short term and how they can influence the long term. I think for me, when I was coming up, especially as a sales leader, I'm somewhat conflict averse. I don't like stoking the fires that don't need to be stoked and, you know, picking the fights that don't need to be picked. And so I think I, I made a lot of non-decisions that really should have been tough decisions around people, around talent, around, uh, you know, performance improvement conversations, et cetera, that I thought were better to just like give somebody else another chance or wait longer, et cetera. And I was like, you know, six months later, proven very wrong. And ultimately had to have those tough conversations. So I think the single biggest thing that I learned, right, is act decisively. And I think if you think something is going to play out a certain way, it's probably because that's how it's going to play out. And the tough decisions today are the right decisions in the long run. Um, so I think that would be my, my biggest lesson learned. You know, the cost for that for me on that was like you waste a bunch of time investing in somebody that doesn't ultimately fit the bill for the organization. You don't make that person any better for it you still end up in a tough position and you're not like maximizing your opportunity along the way. Um, I think kind of just like writing on that one way more human point to realize, right. Is the tough conversations are not necessarily bad conversations and people don't want to fail. And when people are failing, they appreciate nothing more than honest feedback. Yep. So I think what I didn't realize was that by like trying to protect people from a, a bad outcome, I was actually doing them a disservice and they ended up more frustrated than they might have been had I sat down and had a candid, honest, heart-to-heart conversation with them about the track that they were kind of following. So yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how you sum that up nicely, but that would be probably the biggest lesson learned for me. Hit, uh, maybe hit conflict head on or, you know, don't, don't shy away from the tough conversations. But I think that's, that's great advice too. And you know, I think it was early in my management career where I kind of felt the same. I just wanted to, I want everybody to like, like the new manager, right? I was a young sure. manager. I just wanted to be like accepted uh, versus realizing sometimes you can do both, but you can be accepted. You can be well liked. You also can have those tough conversations with folks that end up helping them. Uh, it's more the method you deliver them, kind of the radical candor model where you care deeply about the human and then attack the problem, right? You know, head on. 100%. Awesome. Question four, who has had the greatest impact on your career and expand if you can. And sometimes folks offer up a situation that's had the greatest impact in the career because I don't want to name names here, but I'll let you take it however you want. Yeah. So I think if I can, I'll, I'll answer with both. I, this is really hard. I'm probably going to offend some people by not mentioning their name, but if I had to pick one person, I think it would be the guy who gave me something that was one size way too big for me and trusted me enough to grow into that role and ultimately, you know, um, was proven that it was the right decision. So um, Sebastian, right? Mars was our uh, former CFO and uh, ultimately CRO. Um, he's since left to start his own company, Heyday. 
They're absolutely killing it. And in the time that I was at Fundabox, he was willing to take a chance on me and actually give me a much more senior leadership position than I was cut out for at the time. He was really effective at figuring out where the guardrails were, figuring out where the areas, uh, you know, in which I could fail and like learn new things were and where the areas were like we had to make sure things didn't fall apart also were. And, you know, uh, trusted and verified properly to make sure I was doing the right things while not being so close to the action that he wasn't letting me learn. So he shaped quite a bit about who I am as a leader today. And I, I thank him for that. And I'll, I'll not forget that. I think the situation that most shaped me, and it relates to the last question you asked, the single hardest thing I ever had to do in my career is also the most informative for me. 2019, we decided to move our entire client-facing operation from San Francisco to Dallas, Texas. Oh, wow. And I was single-handedly responsible for for that project from like finding a city to having all the tough conversations and, you know, all the other decisions that need to flow from that. Obviously, I learned a ton, super interesting project, but also gut-wrenching to tell, you know, 40 plus people um, that you personally hired, interviewed and worked with for so long that, you know, in two months time, they wouldn't have a home uh, in this company. And of course, we did as, you know, right as we could by every person, everybody had an opportunity to move all that stuff. But it was really, really, really hard, even though I had an inkling that it was the right decision. Every person from that team has since, you know, continued their careers, applied all the skills that they learned at Funbox towards furthering uh, their career development and just had massive success in whatever they, they ventured to do. The business within about two months of, of launching the new office grew revenue massively to the point that it only took 60 days to replicate the per head results we were having in San Francisco with a brand new team in Dallas. And then we've scaled exponentially since then. So like we've been proven that it was the right thing, even though it was the tough thing. It gave me a very strong degree of appreciation for how hard the right business decision can be. And I, I learned a lot from that. Yeah, wow. Uh, well, thanks for sharing both of those. Uh, I know that's not always the easiest thing to share. And, um, you know, I'm curious to know, because it seems like a roller coaster. I've obviously been at startups where decisions have been made similar. You know, you're talking about people's livelihoods potential, potentially, and a lot of uh, very emotionally taxing things. Like, how did it feel to go from essentially like saying, here's this, here's what's going on to, popping up the new office and then ended up like being the right decision. Like what was that like when you were in it? Depends who you ask. If you ask my wife, it was way too many trips to the airport and times on a plane. Um, if you ask, you know, the folks that had the privilege to go to Dallas and the opportunity to, to be a part of the launch team on the ground and like help us really build something from nothing, they found it to be like a super enriching, although tough experience. I think for me personally, you know, it felt, it felt conflicting. It felt like it was the right business thing. But while the ethics were all tough to reconcile with, they were just, they were fair, they were equitable, like all those things checked out. But there's still that pit in your stomach, right? That until you know, everybody has landed on their feet, um, yep. that you care deeply about, and that, you know, the business has recovered from what is a massive idea you pitched and a massive gamble and amount of money spent, and that those results have panned out. It's, it's somewhat nerve wracking, anxious, uh, all those other things. Ultimately, a huge sense of relief. We ended up going on an amazing vacation. The like two weeks for two weeks right after that project ended, it was the first two week vacation of my life in a very, very long time at that point. Wow. And it was well worth it. So we celebrated properly because of the anxiety, the chaos, all the craziness, but also all the like exciting, fun stuff that happened along the way. It was a weird, but super invigorating time for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us and, and the audience there. Last question. We'll get you out of here on, on this one. Uh, we ask everybody on both seasons this question. 
If you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering into your career? Hmm. Not a joke, but kind of a joke. Practical advice. Learn Salesforce way before you have to use Salesforce. That would have been a, a great set of skills to have picked up. And it can make the difference on how many deals you close per month, like pretty meaningfully. I think the other part is assume positive intent and try to think big as much as possible. You know, when you're like on the front lines of the business in an IC role like selling, you kind of get a lot of whiplash because the company makes decisions that impact you, impact how you sell, impact your customers. And you're pretty far removed from the top of the pendulum where like the decision making is happening. And it's really easy to feel like people don't get your world, don't get the impact on you, don't understand how this affects like the people that you sell to. And it's equally really easy to think like they're out to get me. They don't trust me. They don't respect me. They don't value me. Yep. Assuming positive intent and assuming that there is a good reason why people with way more experience than you are thinking about business direction in a way that might have painful consequences for you, but might be right for the business is really important. And then seeking out answers to why that decision, why uh, this strategy, why this direction is equally important. Assume positive intent and be curious. I wish that I had been given that advice way sooner because in hindsight, I think I misjudged some situations at certain points in time that now that I've had the opportunity to run large organizations, complex sales processes, et cetera, I understand intimately. And I actually look back on as that was a very delicate way to handle what would have actually been a very, very hard situation. So that would be probably my my parting words of wisdom. Nice. I uh, love it. Two things picked up there. And, and one is, you know, what we've we've heard quite a bit on the podcast, but it's the previous portion of your life is all scripted for you, right? You go to school, you have a curriculum, you set out to get the best grades you can, you graduate, you go to college or some, you know, some jumbled version of that. Uh, and when you get out in the workforce, it's it's not all about you. It's about, it's, it's, it's not about anybody. So you got to make your own way. And I think um, it's hard for some folks to kind of adapt and see it as like, you know, everybody is generally making the right decision or trying their best to be good and trying their best to have the right intent behind it. But it doesn't always feel like that when you're in the moment, especially as somebody young in their career. And then the other one is, yes, of course, if it's not in Salesforce, it doesn't exist. You got to learn that easy. You got to learn to be a master there. Well, Baz, I, I appreciate your time on the podcast. This has been really informative. Our audience is going to love it. Uh, where can folks find you? I'm on LinkedIn, spend too much time on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me there. Um, that's the, the best place to, to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining in. Hit him up on LinkedIn. He's got a ton of knowledge and we loved having him on the podcast. Hope to have you again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's mutual. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, the Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.